from Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. This is Sermons by the Park. I'm Pastor Aaron Shepard, and it's summertime here in New England, which means it's time for folks to get some time away, maybe down on the Cape or up in Maine or New Hampshire. Here at Union, we are getting away. We've made the move outside to worship under the oaks and the pines and the hickory trees in our outdoor sanctuary just inside Bird Park next to our church building. You are, of course, invited. In fact, you are more than welcome if you're in the area to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. All we ask is that you bring your own chair, but we always keep a few extras on hand if you don't have one. And if you are away, you can worship with us from afar via live stream on Facebook at facebook.com slash churchbythepark. Our summer sermon series is called One Verse Wonders. These are messages drawn from the wisdom and inspiration of a single chosen verse of Scripture each Sunday. I'd encourage you not only to listen for the Word of God here, but to take each week's verse and maybe write it down and keep it in your pocket, or maybe memorize it so that you can call it to mind as you go about your day. You'd be amazed by how just a few words can open up a whole new world of possibilities. Here's this week's message. The first scripture this morning is taken from Job chapter 28, verses 1 through 16. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold to be refined. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Miners put an end to the darkness and search out to the farthest bound, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. They open shafts in a valley away from human habitation. They are forgotten by travelers. They are swayed, suspended, remote from people. As for the earth, out of it comes bread. But underneath, it is turned up by fire. Its stones are a place of sapphires, and its dust contains gold. The path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eyes have not seen it. The proud wild animals have not trotted it, and the lion has not passed over it. They put their hand to the flinty rock and overturn mountains by the roots. They cut out channels in the rocks, and their eyes see everything, precious thing. The sources of the river they probe, hidden things they bring to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Mortals do not know the way to it, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me, and the sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed out of its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. Our second scripture today 
Our sermon text today is uh, the first verse of Psalm 24. The first verse simply says, The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and all who dwell in it. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. It's one of those things that is easy to hear, I think, uh, especially on a Sunday morning, especially around good church folks, affirming God's place, especially out here in creation. You can look around you, you can see the beauty of the trees, you can hear the birds singing. All of this is God's creation. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But what about when we leave this place? What about on Monday morning? How does this verse travel with us through our week? I have to be honest that this sense that, that everything is, is the, the creation and the blessed work of God, it doesn't always stay with us as consistently as we might like. I know for me, especially when talking just in, in conversation with folks out in the world, there's a lot of falling into more generic language talking about things happening by chance or by luck. Maybe sometimes we talk about fate or destiny. Oftentimes, uh, uh, we use this phrase, the universe right, will provide. The universe will bring something forth. We try to use that language when we're not around church folk because to call the earth and all the things that happen in it God's work can be unsettling for some people. I think it's one of the things that people who are on the border about following Jesus or, or who have no interest in religion. I think it's one of the things that really uh, stands in the way. This idea that the earth and everything that happens is under the providence of God. And yet we come here, we come here to hear that good word and to take it in and to understand how it changes us. And so today we heard Job, speaking about the wisdom of God as something that has to be mined up out of the ground that is hidden away from us. And today, I'm going to do a little mining together and wonder what it really takes to have this idea of God's providence come into our hearts. Throughout the summer, I, I had this idea of just in part based on this verse, but in part based on other circumstances. I had this idea throughout the summer to, to preach just on one verse each Sunday. I think it's helpful for a number of reasons. One, it's easier to remember. Um, I'm calling the sermon series One Verse Wonders because like those songs you might hear on the radio that get stuck in your ear and you carry them around all week, uh, I want these verses to be that for you all. This occurred to me when uh, our boys... Uh, started singing a song uh, that we sometimes uh, had played in the car. Probably not the most appropriate song for the kids to be singing. It's called Stacy's Mom. It's, it's, it's not really like a kid's song. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, and it was like, how do we get them to stop singing this song? It's like, maybe, maybe just teach them a Bible verse and have them sing that instead. <laughs> It's worth a shot. But you know, sometimes simplifying things make them easier to carry. But there's nothing simple about this notion that the world is 
God's creation. All who dwell in it are under the power and the authority and the majesty of God. This verse speaks first about the earth, all of the things, the universe, the sort of mechanical and natural contents of all creation. That, of course, includes people, but then it specifies. The second half of it talks about the world, and the, the term used for that there in the Hebrew is about the, the nations of the earth, the people, the inhabitants. And so not only is creation, the trees, the birds, the ground, God's work, the people, the nations, the history, uh, even, even, the, even the unfolding of all time, all of that is under God. Oftentimes this is interpreted in sort of popular culture as, as this idea that everything happens for a reason and that God is the reason for everything that happens. And again, sometimes what this causes people to do is to figure out why things are happening in a certain way, what the reason God has for doing certain things. It's, a, it's an interesting problem people try to, to figure out. This is what happened with Job and his friends. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, Job was just a regular guy. In fact, he wasn't just a regular guy. He was a good guy. He had a nice family. He had a nice house. He had a great livelihood and income. All things were going well for Job, and he worshipped God. He knew that those things came from God, that the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. All the good things that had come to him were from the hand of God. But then, because of some arrangement that God made to test Job's faithfulness, all of that was taken away from him. And his friends came to him and they said, well, Job, you must have done something wrong to earn all of this bad stuff that has happened to you. You know, everything happens for a reason. And Job at first insists to them that he didn't do anything wrong. And they say, no, no, you must have done something wrong. Maybe you just don't understand what it is that you did wrong. But Job says to them, he says, no, no, I understand just as well as you do. But maybe all of us are thinking about this the wrong way. Maybe we're just looking at the surface of what we can see and what we can touch and the wisdom of God, the truth that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Maybe it's not something that's just on the surface of things. Maybe it lies deeper. And I think when people have a problem with the doctrine of providence, it is usually just because we see it at the most surface level, instead of really taking to heart what it could mean, not just for us, but for the world. I like to put the doctrine of providence this way. It's, it's basically two ideas. The first is that God is in control. That at all times, in all places, in all things, God is the one who is in control. And that's, that's good news to us. Because not only is God in control, the second part of the doctrine of providence says that God is on our side. And that means God's on the side of creation all the things in the earth, but also God is on the side of the world and all who dwell in it. The theologian Howard Thurman has this wonderful line in his book, Jesus and the Disinherited. He says, the prophetic nature of Christianity 
is such that the providence of God for all things includes every single individual one of us, even little old me. That God not only cares for the earth and the world, but God's providence is for each and every one of us. Now, of course, it's easy to hear those words and to say, that's kind of hard to believe. <laughs> it's kind of amazing thought that God could be in control of all this, but also care about, you know, the songs my son sings or whether it rains on a church service in East Walpole. But I, I like to come to this from the alternative. Just consider it in the negative for a moment. What would it mean if God was not in control of all things? Well, it would mean that the universe is a mindless machine. And some people are okay with that. Some people try to reconcile themselves to this notion that, you know, the Big Bang spawned all these things and, and matter proceeded in an orderly fashion onward until eventually, uh, you know, there will be the heat death of the universe and everything that was will cease to be and, and none of this will matter anymore. And some people think in an empty, chaotic world like that, they can do just fine. It sounds pretty awful to me. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. It sounds awful to me. It sounds awful to me when, when people say, well, there must be a reason, there must be some account, there must be some natural cause for all of the things that happen in this world, and so we can account for it, we can, we can understand it. The other problem I have with this is that it leaves us only ourselves. And boy, humankind has a bad track record when we rely only on ourselves, don't we? Not great even when we invoke the name of God, but when we're purely just trying to do things on our own, in our own self-interest, trying to figure things out for ourselves, I don't know about you, but I tend to uh, cause more trouble than it's worth. Of course, this idea that God is not completely in control helps to account for the fact that sometimes things do not go our way. The author of uh, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, Harold Kushner, basically comes to this conclusion. It must be the case that God simply cannot prevent evil things from happening to good people. Horrible suffering that we see all around us, it must somehow be outside of the power of God. That's the only explanation for why God would allow such a thing to happen. But what kind of God is that? And why would that be a God worth worshiping? It's connected to that second idea, this idea that God is, imagine that God is not on our side. Imagine God is in control, but not on our side. That's what Job's friends think. Job's friends think, well, God's in control of all of this but he doesn't like what you've been up to. He doesn't think that what you've been doing is right. And Job agrees. Job basically says, if God is dead set against me, then I'm toast. I might as well die right now. I could not stand before this. Psalm 130 says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of our sins, who could stand? If God was not for us, it, we, we would be in trouble. 
And of course, all have sinned and all have fallen short. That's what Paul says in Romans. We all know that we have fallen short of the set of rules that God's righteousness seems to dictate. The commandments we've heard from the mouth of Jesus to love one another and to love God. But the doctrine of providence says God is not against us, that God is in control, that God is on our side. Job says the wisdom of God is like precious metal, precious jewels buried in the earth. He says that the miners go down and they dig it up. It reminds me of a, a show a show that my father-in-law introduced me to and really loves called Gold Rush. Has anyone ever watched this show, Gold Rush? It's about these miners in Alaska, uh, modern-day miners going to, to, to mine gold. And they use these incredible, huge machines to dig up swaths of riverbeds, old riverbeds, basically, where sediment has been exposed by the erosion of the river. They, they dig out by the ton this sediment, and they run it through these machines, and it strains out the little bits of gold until at the end of it, after thousands of pounds of dirt have been run through these machines, they come out with a little bag about this big of gold. That's worth a lot of money, uh, which apparently makes it all worth it in the end. And that is the wisdom of God. And it's an amazing thing, because what Job says is that is that and it's right, geologically speaking, those precious things that are deep within the earth, they're actually more easily accessible in the low places, in the riverbeds, in the valleys where the earth kind of has been eroded away and sunken down. We think of miners as people who sort of go up into mountains and blast down into them. But sometimes the place where gold is most easily found is down in the low places. And I think that's what the story of Job shows us, too. That sometimes the place where we see the providence of God most clearly, where it is actually most accessible, is when we are at our lowest. And when everything seems to be against us. It's deeply counterintuitive that it would be this way, but that is, that's what this scripture seems to indicate to us. But of course it makes sense if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who dwell in it, even us, even in our lowest moments, that God is there. And honestly, whether you believe this or not in your head is not nearly as important as whether you hold it in your heart and live in such a way that it shows that the earth is the Lord and everything in it. You know, this verse really serves as a kind of a lens through which we can see the world differently. And I learned a word this week that I think is just a wonderful word of describing what this kind of looks like. And the word is pronoia. You've heard of paranoia, yes? Paranoia is the belief that everyone's out to get you, right? It's this belief that, 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 Everything, there is a, there's some conspiracy out there that is causing all of the problems that you have. And you, can, and you can blame all of your troubles on the fact that these other folks are out to get you, and it can change your behavior. People who are paranoid don't want to go 
you know, they don't want to leave the house, they don't want to do anything because they're always worried about the people trying to get them. And this conspiratorial mindset. Well, pronoia is the opposite of that. And the opposite of that is not the belief that, like, no one's out to get you. The opposite is the belief that there is a secret conspiracy to do you good. Imagine that even now, there are forces at work that are going to do good for you, going to do good things for you, that that stranger that you meet is not out to get you. They're out to help you. Imagine having that mindset when you meet someone new or when you come into a situation of, of great difficulty. Imagine thinking, well, this must have some good coming my way in it. It's got to be there. There's got to be something for me here. And I, I, I love that idea because, again, we say that people who are paranoid, they can't help but respond to the world in a certain way because of what they think. Well, as people who trust in the truth of Scripture, in the truth of God, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then should we not believe that there is someone out there working all things for our good at all times so that at any possible moment, something great might come along? The Bible's full of stories like this. Um, one of my favorites is the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph uh, starts out the story. He's, he's his father's favorite son. He's got a great coat that his brothers are just so jealous of that they throw him into a pit, sell him into slavery. He's taken away to Egypt where he doesn't know a word of the language, where he's in the lowest place he could possibly be in. And what happens to Joseph? Over and over again, he finds a way to be elevated until he's in charge of the entire country, until he's in charge of all of Pharaoh's uh, resources and is able to provide not only for the people of Egypt, but for others when a famine comes. So that one day, his brothers, the very ones who sold him into slavery, come to him, not knowing who he is, and ask him to help them in their moment of desperation. And he does, not once but twice. And when he finally reveals to them who he is, they are so afraid of what he is going to do to them. But what was Joseph's response? He says, you intended this for evil, but God has used it for good. And that's just one story. They're all over the place in Scripture. The story that, of course, hits most at our hearts is the story of Jesus. Because, of course, Jesus came into this world to show us what God is like, to show us that God is in control and that God is on our sides. That's what Jesus shows again and again. Not just for the people who are like him, but the people who are different from him, for strangers, people who he doesn't even know, people who may not even know God. Jesus is on their side, too. And what happens to Jesus? He's persecuted. He's resisted. 
Eventually he's arrested, he's crucified, he dies. And clearly they all intended that for evil. But God used it for good. Because on the third day Jesus rose up out of the grave. God raised him up and showed that even in death God is with us. God is on our side. And so whether, whether you are on a mountaintop or whether you are in a valley, whether you are in a beautiful park on a Sunday morning or whether you are at the office on Monday morning, wherever you go, wherever you are, God is there and God is on your side. And the challenge for us as people who want to be faithful to that truth is to think and to see and to act as though it were true, as though the world and all who are in it are an opportunity for the goodness of God to shine forth. So let's say a prayer together and pray for God's providence in our lives. Gracious God, we know that you watch over all things. We hear this good news here today on Sunday morning. We hear it declared not just in the words of Scripture, but in the world around us, in our friends next to us. But God, we pray. We pray today that you would change our hearts, that you would open our eyes to a new kind of vision, a vision that sees all things working towards good, that takes every moment as an opportunity to wonder what good you are working in our midst. And so, God, I pray that you would give all of us a heart filled with pronoia and that you would empower us to act upon your word and your wish for our lives, both this day and every day. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope this week's message has blessed you and that you got something out of it that you can take with you all along life's journey, wherever that may take you. If you want to learn more about Union Congregational Church, our life and ministry together, you can visit churchbythepark.org. Our theme music is Victim and Victor by RKVC. Until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you.